My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. What inspired me to set up, uh, you know, Yard was just um, seeing how uh, the lending industry works within Australia and then um, identifying opportunities around how we can, we can make this better. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we're speaking with co-founder and CEO of Yard, Tony Mladenova. We delve into her background and learn about her incredible journey beginning from Eastern Europe, the influences that inspired her to get into business and property where she purchased her first investment properties and much, much more. Being a mother and the CEO of a successful company, we find out what a typical day looks like for her. I'll first start just with the personal side. So I am a mother. I have an 11-month-old uh, daughter and she's keeping me busy a lot outside my super busy work hours. Uh, when it comes to work, um, as, previously, as previously mentioned, um, I do own my own uh, business. Uh, the business is called Yard. Um, we are a, a specialist mortgage provider. Um, so um, what I do in any given day, the first thing is really to uh, touch base with um, our loan consultants and understand what are all of the customers uh, that we currently talk, are talking to and trying to, to help with their home loan needs. Um, so I'm really focused in making sure I understand what our customers need, what their strategies are and how we can assist them on their property journey. And as a CEO, really my job is to be challenged every day around um, how we can improve our offering um, and uh, serve our customers better. And um, as we're a digital business, uh, we also challenge ourselves every day to uh, innovate around our processes and our operating model uh, to make sure that uh, we deliver really delightful customer experience along the journey. We delve into Mlada Nova's business, Yard, and find out about how they help their clients with property. Yard is a lender and we focus on providing home loans. And the way I talk about the business is that we are a specialist mortgage provider. So what this basically means is that um, we provide basically all types of home loans that you can think of. So uh, we help people buy their property. So these are owner-occupied loans. Uh, we help investors um, buy investment properties. 
um, we provide customers with loans to purchase uh, vacant land as well as construction loans to um, do you know construction projects. Uh, we also help help with customers uh, refinancing and customers could refinance for different reasons. They might be seeking for a better deal to uh, improve the return on their investment, for example, um, or they might be seeking to access and tap equity within their home. Uh, and uh, we also have um, a niche around um, helping um, customers purchase a residential investment within their SMSF. Um, so we are one of the few players in the market that continue to play uh, within that segment. Mlada Nova shares with us a little bit about her past and we hear about where she grew up and the different places she has traveled to. I was originally born in, uh, in Bulgaria. Uh, so that's in, that's in Eastern Europe. And um, I lived there until I was 18. Uh, when I turned 18, I just became very, very interested um, in European culture, European studies, and I moved and I lived in the Netherlands for uh, three years. Um, I lived in a small town that's called um, Maastricht. Um, after the Netherlands, then I had a fascination with the US, which took me to California um, for a year. Um, lived uh, in San Diego by the ocean, uh, absolutely fantastic experience. Then after the US, I still had the itch to travel and experience new places. <laughs> so I spent two years in the UK. Um, and then in 2011, um, I came over to Australia. Such an interesting story and it all started in Bulgaria. We learn more about her childhood and what it was like growing up there. I remember it very clearly and I still uh, primarily identify myself as being uh, being Bulgarian and my whole family uh, is still back home um, and I travel every year uh, to Europe to visit them and spend some time over there. I mean, look, it was, um, it was interesting. So... Um, my childhood um, spent in the 90s. This was just after the fall of communism and the, you know, um, and the change to a democratic regime within the country, um, and you know, the whole country trying to uh, move to uh, you know a new type of economy and discover what capitalism is. Um, you know, I do remember when we uh, first uh, got real Coca-Cola <laughs> in the supermarket. Um, so that was um, uh, that was very exciting times, you know, being introduced to Walt Disney and being able to actually watch really high quality cartoons. That was very exciting. Um, then we had a pretty big economic crisis in in the late nineties, uh, uh, which is something that we also had to live through. Um, but overall, you know, I just have very very ha happy memories um, uh, from my childhood. Education is different all over the world and we hear a fascinating story about her time at school. I did go to uh, primary school and high school um, in Bulgaria. Uh, what's interesting is um, because Bulgaria is a small country, um, it's very important for everyone there to get immersed and learn foreign languages. Um, so, so I actually went to a um, Russian uh, primary school in Bulgaria. Um, so was introduced to uh, the Russian language at a very early age. Um, and then I moved again to um, a foreign language school for high school, um, 
where I studied um, English and German. Um, so a lot of the subjects were actually uh, taught in English. Um, so it was it was very exciting to uh, you know uh, get introduced to so many foreign languages at a very early age. And you know as I'm sure you're aware that. Um, one of the best ways to actually get to know another culture is uh, is through their language. Um, so, you know, that was a fantastic opportunity for me to just um, just explore foreign cultures and learn about you know how people live uh, in other countries. After traveling so much at an early age, she talks about some of the cultural differences that she knows between other countries and Bulgaria. There are a lot of different uh, actually. Uh, cultural traits um, and behaviors and norms really as to, um, you know, what people accept as normal. And this could be little things, but could also be uh, broader things around how you interact with one another. And um, one thing that has made a big impression on me and comes back to me quite often in my work life and also personal relationships is uh, people in Eastern Europe tend to be um, quite more direct uh, than what you find in Western cultures. And that exposes uh, itself in, in, in numerous ways, for example, at the workplace in terms of how you provide feedback uh, to your colleagues um, and then in your uh, personal relationships outside work is, you know, the way you actually deliver news or express, express your opinion. Um, so in Bulgaria, people tend to be quite more to the point, um, and at times what someone would consider here to be and come across as quite short, or or at times it would be perceived as aggressive. So, um, you know, this is something that I have had to learn and um, have had to change in my own style. We talk about what she decided to do after school, whether she jumped into the workforce or tertiary education. When I was 18, um, I became very fascinated with the whole concept of the European Union and what type of political creature that is. Um, and um, I went to do my undergraduate degree um, at Maastricht University. So uh, the background to that is that the European Union was actually set up uh, through the Maastricht Treaty. Um, so the European Union was set up in Maastricht. And then um, the university there uh, set up a faculty that was dedicated to the to European studies. Um, so it, you know, it was absolutely the place to go and study political science and everything that has to do with the European Union, which is what I went and uh, did for uh, for three years. Um, it was a fascinating place because the. The town is um, is located on the border of the Netherlands, Belgium, and Germany. So it's very, very uh, international. Truly, you know, like true European city. Some, you know, I often compare it to uh, to Brussels. So very multi multicultural, and you know, it, it allowed me to really try to learn, understand how, you know, the European Union works and, you know, what the vision was, uh, what the vision was for the union. And um, as I continued to develop further interest in, uh, in, in social sciences, um, I decided to, uh, to go and spend a year in California. So I was at the University of California, San Diego, um, 
where, um, you know, again, very strong place to study uh, politics. And also, um, you know, there's actually a marine base um, over there. So uh, everything that has to do with national security was also a very good topic to study at that uni. And this is something that I was really passionate, passionate at the time. And after I finished uh, in California, I uh, spent two years studying at Oxford University um, in the UK. Um, I did a degree um, that's actually called an MPhil. Um, so this is um, this is a research-oriented degree, and people tend to usually get that on their way to obtaining a PhD. But um, uh, you know, I actually thought, oh, look, uh, I don't think academia is for me. Um, I really want to get my hands dirty and um, get in the workforce. So I um, so graduated from Oxford and, uh, and moved to Australia. Coming up after the break, we delve into Tony Mlandanova's journey and find out more about her property portfolio. I do also own uh, real estate in Bulgaria. Uh, so I did buy uh, two apartments. So at the time, they were bought off the plan, actually. Um, and at the moment, uh, you know, these are uh, investment properties. A moment in her journey that has been a good learning experience. The construction company that was actually building the apartments did not do a good job on finishing the landscaping. Uh, around the apartments. So um, actually, funnily enough, uh, five five years later, after the apartments were built and people moved in, um, that type of work is still not still not finished. And that's next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Have you reviewed your interest rate on your investment loan recently and discovered that you're paying too much to the big four banks? Or have they charged you fees on additional repayments, redraws or an offset account? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you are not alone. For being a loyal listener of the podcast, the team at Yard are offering you a low-rate, fully-featured investment loan with no application fees and with unlimited additional repayments, unlimited free redraws and a 100% interest offset facility. Because everything is done online, they pass the savings back to you and make the process seamless. Trust me, I have tried Yard and it's been the easiest application process I've ever experienced. I was done in less than 10 minutes. To get your investment loan, simply visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash Yard or you can SMS your details to 0499881040 and quote Yard spelled Y-A-R-D. What an amazing journey to be able to experience university life in different countries. We find out about how she was able to fund her journey. I'm going to say that it was not easy. Uh, it, is, uh, it is expensive. So, um, look, my studies were funded uh, yeah, firstly through scholarships. Um, so, um, you know, coming from Bulgaria it's quite you know it was quite quite hard and the difference in life standards made it very very expensive um, 
so uh, so definitely scholarships and uh, then I also had to uh, to work in addition to um, to studying um, so for example while I was at Oxford um, I was work- I had a part-time job and I was working for a, um, a consulting firm it was uh, very relevant towards um, towards my studies um, and it also gave me um, so um, it was a consulting firm that with a number of different uh, strategic and operational topics um, and um, you know this type of experience really gave me um, what I needed to then start thinking about how you actually set up and, and, and manage and grow your own business. How long did you work there for? So with the consultancy firm in the UK, I was for about uh, two years. Um, when I moved over to Australia, I also uh, worked for a management consulting firm. And uh, the whole idea about Yard was uh, born in 2017. So uh, we've been going for about um, three years now. Malada Nova explains what her role was whilst working for this company and what she was able to learn from it. So I was a management consultant and uh, you know, actually there is a number of series of jokes uh, around what do management consultants actually do, right? And it's, a, <laughs> and it's, a, and it's actually not that easy to explain uh, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, look, so um, we, I, I would work on a variety of strategic and operational topics consulting and advising executives at uh, large financial services firms. So um, that could be uh, banks, um, insurers, uh, wealth managers. And uh, we would work with executives on everything, you know, the key, the key topics that were on their mind. Um, so, um, and, this could really vary. Uh, it could be a topic around um, entering new markets, uh, launching new products, uh, targeting a new customer segment, um, thinking about what are all of the changes in the business they need to do to hit their next growth target. Uh, but it could also be uh, various cost-related topics. Um, for example, how do I make my processes more efficient? How I streamline my cost base, um, how do I restructure my company? Uh, so, um, you know, the variety of topics is, is really, really wide uh, and you work with um, key decision makers within the business. So, it's a very, very challenging role. Um, the learning curve is very, very steep um, and, you know, you get to advise very senior executives. So. Um, Absolutely tremendous learning experience for me. We learn about one of the influences that she had that inspired her to start a company of her own. My mother has always had her uh, her own business, and you know, as I was growing up, um, I was always very fascinated to uh, to see how this works, get involved, and. Uh, drive different initiatives, um, different initiatives on my own. Um, she's in a obviously different different vertical, but she has been an entrepreneur um, all her life. Um, and I was I was definitely I was definitely inspired by her. 
Uh, but then also what inspired me to set up, uh, you know, Yard was just um, seeing how uh, the lending industry works within Australia and then um, identifying opportunities around how we can, we can make this better. Her mother had a major influence on her and we find out more about her mother's amazing story. My mother um, set up her own business while she was quite young um, and she had, you know, this story where um, you literally build something from, from nothing. Um, so just going back to my story about the crisis in the 90s in Bulgaria, which is when my mother started her business. Um, so all her life, um, she has been in uh, retail. Um, so she has had two paths to her business. One is actually manufacturing clothing. And the second part is retailing, retailing clothing. And uh, she was focusing on kids. So it's really about children's clothing manufacturing and then retailing. And um, she had, uh, you know, her own factory uh, that was taking care of the manufacturing part and then um, retail, retail outlets. Um, it, it was it was very fascinating to see how her business evolved. So um, in the 90s, while the economy was still largely closed um, and local manufacturing was, was successful, um, you know, the manufacturing side of her business was quite strong. And then, uh, you know, in the 2000s, as the whole, uh, you know, offshoring and outsourcing uh, towards China and then Asia and then obviously other countries as well, um, you know, progressed, um, you know, and unfortunately, it was, it was very difficult for her to compete um, on the manufacturing side. So she did close that part of her business, but then she saw a tremendous opportunity to expand her retail outlets. Um, so she just opened more stores and she was, uh, she was focusing on the retail side. At the same time, were you also already overseas at that time when she was expanding or did you go back and, and help her as well? She was expanding when I was in Bulgaria, but then obviously in the, in the last 10 years, the business has been, has been evolving while I was in Australia and it's been great for me to be, uh, to be able to um, help her from a supply chain perspective. Uh, and what I mean here is, uh, you know, introducing her to, um, to wholesalers overseas and then helping her with that um, international communication that, you know, unfortunately she, she didn't have as much experience with. After traveling so many different countries and experiencing their culture, Mlada Nova tells us why she was drawn to Australia in particular. I think Australia is is, is such a fascinating country, um, and uh, you know, well, the, the true reason is that I, I did meet my husband in the in the UK, and my, <laughs> my my husband is Australian, and you know, in 2011, um, you know, during the financial crisis, um, Australia, you know, was relatively shielded in the way it managed to to live through those times. And we thought that uh, it's, it's a good opportunity to actually uh, move over here and, and pursue our careers in the Australian market. Uh, but I just want to say, you know, you know, independent of my husband, if I was presented with the opportunity to move to Australia, I would have anyway. I think it's a, it's a great place. We delve into her property journey and find out about some of the properties that she has purchased, whether here in Australia or in other countries. We do own um, our home 
uh, in Australia. So we live uh, in Sydney in the inner west, uh, very close to, um, to Newtown, absolutely love the area. Um, we did we bought the property in 2013, so we were able to get in the property market, you know, before the, the spike in property prices. Um, so, you know, from an equity perspective and capital gains perspective, I think we we were incredibly lucky. Um, um, and then I do also own uh, real estate in Bulgaria. Uh, so I did buy uh, two apartments at the time they were bought off the plan, actually. Um, and at the moment, uh, you know, these are uh, investment properties. Mlada Nova explains why she decided to buy investment properties over in Bulgaria. I was hopeful that I could actually, you know, generate a return from the uh, from the investment. So uh, it was an off the plan purchase and. It was just at the beginning of the city where I bought, um, you know, there were a number of construction projects and investments in terms of construction companies starting to build high-rise apartments. And up until that point, um, that construction was very limited. Um, so the opportunity I saw there is uh, the increasing amount of investment of foreign companies. So they were setting up a lot of factories and manufacturing facilities in that city. Um, so what I was really hopeful is that uh, we're going to see population growth um, and move uh, from regional areas uh, towards that city. Um, so, you know, at the point that happens, you know, people are going to need places to live. Um, so I thought apartments is probably the right type of property to consider at that point. Uh, you know, um, because it was an off-the-plan purchase, uh, while riskier, you know, it was a good price point to get in. Um, and you know, I think they have been they have been uh, good investments. Um, one thing that uh, we don't have in Bulgaria that we're quite lucky to have in Australia at the moment is, unfortunately, home loan rates, uh, interest rates over there um, are much higher. So obviously that. Uh, that impacts the return on investment that I'm able to get at the moment. But I hope, uh, you know, we see a decrease in interest rates over there as well. The financial sector can work differently from country to country. So we dive into how getting loans or investing in properties work in Bulgaria compared to Australia. It is similar to Australia, but obviously the credit spreads over there are, are a bit wider. Um, so unfortunately, the interest rate that you get on a home loan uh, home loan is higher. So you're looking probably at around four to five percent. If you look at Yard uh, at the moment, our variable interest rates start at two point six six per annum. So uh, you know you're looking at a at really half. Um, and the other, the other difference uh, in Bulgaria is that you can actually have a uh, fixed interest rate for uh, much longer durations. And then obviously, obviously that could have advantages, uh, its, it's advantages and, dis- dis- and its disadvantages depending on what you're, what you're looking for in a home loan product. Looking back upon a property investment journey so far, we find out whether there has been a moment that nothing went right for her. If I reflect on my property purchases and property investments, I um, I do think that in hindsight, I have I have made the right decision. A qualification on uh, the purchase of the two apartments that that I bought off the plan, and then as I said, you know, it's always uh, like a riskier a riskier investment is. <laughs> um, 
the construction company that was actually building the apartments did not do a good job on finishing the landscaping uh, around the apartments. So um, actually, funnily enough, uh, five five years later, after the apartments were built and people moved in, um, that type of work is still not still not finished. Um, and uh, it turns out that contractually, it has not, it was not clearly specified that the construction company needs to do that. Um, so probably I should have done better due diligence on that part. And it's something that I'll keep in mind for the future is whenever you're approaching something of the plan, making sure that um, whatever you're contractually signing up to uh, we'll make sure that the developer is going to, uh, you know, complete the full project and, you know, always uh, have in mind how you actually define complete and that everyone everyone is on the same page. Has the landscaping not being completed affected the actual property investment itself and getting tenants? The property is still rented out. From a rental return uh, perspective, I think the impact has not been huge. I do wonder, though, that if I wanted to actually sell the place, um, I do believe that the selling price would be impacted by the fact that the block does not have proper landscaping. So, inspired by Tony Mladenova's journey, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory, where we'll discuss why she started her company. I just thought that it's very um, manual, it is uh, slow, it is complex and I just found it very difficult um, to do the research around what home loan product options are available for me out there. What you need to keep in mind if you're starting up your own business? It is daunting daunting, um, in the beginning. Um, You need to be very uh, goal-oriented and action-oriented. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Hey, before you go, just a quick one. For being a loyal listener of the podcast, the team at Yard are offering you a low-rate, fully-featured investment loan with no application fees and with unlimited additional repayments, unlimited free redraws and a 100% interest offset facility. Because everything is done online, they pass the savings back to you and make the process seamless. Trust me, I've tried Yard and it's been the easiest application process I've ever experienced. I was done in less than 10 minutes. To get your investment loan, simply visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash yard or you can SMS your details to 0499881040 and quote yard spelt Y-A-R-D. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, 
or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.